Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. In today's message, Pastor Jeremiah Stabney challenges us to make sure we are finding our identity in God alone. It is so easy to get our identity wrapped up in all kinds of things, but those things will never fully satisfy us. Let's listen as Jeremiah shares some very practical and funny stories that help us apply this principle to our everyday lives. And, and so here's, we're waiting for a couple of the girls. I think my mom, my mom was one of them, and I can't remember which sister was the other. And so we're waiting, and we're like, what the heck? The line was short. Where are they? And then everyone comes through and is like, mom cannot find driver's license. And we're like, oh, good. Yeah, that's great. And, and funny enough, it's not sometimes that's happened to us. So it wasn't like that shock. We're like, what the heck? So we're freaking out because obviously you need ID to get to the airport. They are not. They do not care. Take your word. They don't care what your story is. If you don't have ID, you are not crossing that line, correct? Well, I have the story. It was in my dad's pocket. And so we got it figured out and said to him, it was all good. But we need ID, right? In this world, like you need identification. Like people need to know who you are. You don't get past a point in sometimes in the world without ID. I say the same thing is for our spiritual life. There's a certain point we can't get with. If we don't know who we are, we don't know who we are in Christ. If we don't know who we are, God's word says that we are. There's a, there's a certain point we can go. And if we fully know everything that called us to be, man, we can live enriched, beautiful, amazing lives for Christ. Amen? So that's what we're talking about this morning. So there's a place, there's a place that God has prepared for each to walk into, but without the right identity, we will not make it. The world is full of it, all right? The world is full of trying to tell us what we should find our identity in. Are they not? They're telling us that you should find your identity in your skill, okay, in your money, in your talent, in your possessions, in, if you're around here, trucks and big bucks, right? You can find identity in that, amen? Nothing wrong, well, there's it's wrong, nothing wrong with a big buck, right? And for one for five years. All right, we've, we know the world wants us to find our identity in who people say that we are, social media status, or, or you name it. The list goes on and on and on. It's pounding us daily, weekly, trying to fill our hearts with what they want identity is. But we as Christians believe that our identity is found in what, who God says we are and other things. Because all of those things I just listed and so many more are very fleeting, okay? They're here for a moment and they're gone. That can change. Social media can change instantly. Money things change instantly. They're fleeting and they're temporary. And nothing, nothing that this world has to offer for identity that, that offer us fully satisfies. Some of those things we can find like basic satisfaction, enjoy those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But as finding our identity and being fully satisfied, the world cannot fill those. When I was a young boy, I loved more than anything. I played ice hockey from when I was three years old to about 13, and I loved a lot, a lot, a lot. I sacrificed tons so I could play hockey. Loved it. I enjoyed it. I felt like I was fairly decent at it. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. It was kind of my world, right? And so when I got saved, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, he started speaking to me about that. Because hockey usually demands your weekend. What's on the weekends? What day is it? Church, right? Um, and it ends it, right, a lot for a very big season, plus in the summers. And God started speaking to me about that. He started speaking to me about, because I, I encountered God, I started hearing his voice, and he me on that. And I flat out quit when I was 13 years old. I was a starter, flat out quit, right? Because why? I knew that God was something. I love hockey. I still love hockey. And God gave it back to me. I got to play Australia for like two years, and I play now, like usually once, twice a week as men. But that season, that something needed to change, and God spoke to me, and that was something that was in my life, 
that was going to hinder me from experiencing all that God had for me. Hockey is a good thing. It's a great thing. I love hockey. That in my life, the pedestal I had it on my life, the identity I found myself in, I found myself as a hockey player. I identify, thank you, hockey player, right? But God spoke to me while he's like, that is not your identity. Then to transition in my life, so after I key, um, I started getting involved with more with church. Uh, one Sunday in church, there was an empty keyboard, and God played keyboard much of that time. I could plink along, and God like spoke. He's like, I want you to play keyboard. And so I started playing piano for church and for years and loved it. And I got started in worship. And that consumed my life, right? And I mean, how could that be possibly be a bad thing? How, I mean, to fill your worship and fill your life with playing music for God and doing it. For, it was a great thing. And uh, when I was 13 years old, I went to summer. And God spoke solely to me. So clear that he had a purpose, that he had a plan for me. And he spoke, he poured vision into me for ministry and what God had called me to do. And some of those things I'm living out today and beyond that. And it's, it, it was absolutely a, a life change experience. I spent the entire night that night in chapel. I think I was one of the very last people out of the chapel because God just kept seeing me and speaking to me. And from that moment on, I've never truly lacked. So my point in saying that is that God then trans college where I, it got even more, you know, you're more involved with this, more involved with that. And, you know, you identify yourself with what you do. And, and the experience that I got being a song for two years from where I went to college was incredible. Like, leading work with people that have written songs that, like, you know, thousands of churches singing, the impact, even like, you kind of get wound up in it, right? And it was just, again, season. The, like, it's like, no, that is not your entity. And, like, for me, that was, like, the pinnacle of what I thought some in life, okay? I thought that was amazing to bring and filling my life with what it was, but again, it was something, it was, it was missed again. That was not my identity. I could, God did not want me to find my identity in music or worship leading or in those. He was teaching me that God is my identity, right? That he is my identity and how I relate to him. those things that I was doing are not my identity. I just thought, isn't that something? Here's someone at a young age that living his life for God Still, I didn't necessarily know who my identity was because, again, our identity is not in what we do. Amen? It's not in what we do. And that can be really, you know, your life. What is in your life that you can maybe identify? Well, this is what I do. This is who I am. Not that you're, what you're doing is wrong. It's just where is our identity? Where do we get who's telling us where identity should go and be from? And so this is what God showed me. I spent years, years and years and years seeking out the one thing. What is God's will for What's his will? What's his will? What's his will? What's his will? And through that, again, misplaced question, got me that God's will, you've heard me say this before probably, is the main objective. He is the main objective. God wants to be an objective, not his will, not what we should be doing. He wants himself. He wants for us that he would be our main objective and what we focus on the most. God desires of your heart, but it still won't satisfy you because he can satisfy you. That's a challenging statement right there. God can give you the desires of your heart. What is the desires of your heart? What are you praying God for? He can give those to you. But if he is not who satisfies, not the main objective, it still will not satisfy you. And that is challenging. Because I feel, for me personally, I can get wound up. Like, how, do I, how am I being seen? What am I doing? Like, in some realms that I'm involved in, like, that, that can be a, a taunting thing. But things are not our identity. So what is our identity? A list of a couple things that our identity is not. Number one is that we are not defined by feelings. Okay, I typed that wrong. I apologize for all you word critics out there. We are not, all right, identified by our feelings. Okay, 
We are not, number two, defined by opinions of others or circumstances, okay? Not defined by that, amen? And number three, we are not defined by our successes or our failures. So this morning, let's turn to God. How, where do we find our identity? So let's look up first, our 2 Corinthians 1.22, because the first point is how do we find our identity? What is our identity? Number one, that he identifies us as his own. God identifies us as his own. Now let's read 2 Corinthians 1.22. It says, he set a seal of ownership, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Okay, God set a seal of ownership. God loves us so incredibly much, right? He paid an incredible price for us. He put a sealship on us. So what does that tell us? It tells us purpose. It tells us that we have value, that we are purposed and we are valued. In this world, how do we know what something's worth? By the amount of money we pay, right? By the amount of money you are willing to pay for it, okay? We are willing to pay incredible amounts of money for things, right? We find valuable. Think about that in terms of Jesus. Jesus paid an ultimate, incredible, amazing price by dying on a cross for us. That shows and proves us that we have purpose and that places value on us as his own. That he would do that. You're still sinners. God would do that for us. God identifies us as his own. Oh, and he, only he can give us our value and only he us our purpose. Amen. One question I like to ask is how? So how God give us that purpose and value? Well, we talked about it, okay? First of all, by incredible price for us, but also his word says it. In Romans 8, 8, it says, For we know that those who love God, all things work together good for those who are called according to his purpose. I'm going to read that again. For we know, know. Amen? That those who love God, things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So why important? You, maybe you've heard it a million times. Why is it important that we are purpose and that we are valued? Because you do not know who we are. Okay? If we do not, if you do not and live out that you are valuable and that you have a purpose, you are extremely vulnerable to telling to other people to you who you are and what you can be defined as that from God, knowing, absolutely knowing 100% in our heart that we have that we have value is an incredible source of encouragement, but also take our shoulders because we don't have to look at what other people say about our value because we know God loves us and, he is va- and that we are valuable to him. The will try unrelenting, okay, to tell unworthy that we're worthless, that we don't have a purpose, that we keep too much, and I think more than all of those things, it's going to be this like God, the enemy tries to convince us and like, discourage us so much to live, do one thing, live mediocre lives. You might know that you have purpose. You might know that you have value. If the enemy can just get to live mediocre lives, so just be okay, status quo, and just go with the flow. Man, like if we know we have purpose and we know that we have value, if we truly know, whether we've been a Christian 50 years or 10 days, okay, if we know that we have purpose and value, we are compelled. It will compel us to more than mediocre lives and all these other things that we list. Because the Bible says, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal. That is what he's doing. He is trying to steal your dreams. He's trying to steal passion and your value and to kill it and destroy it. He'll do whatever he can to make sure he steals what God has put in your life. Even if you don't know what God has put in your life. Okay, Even if you don't know what that is. Man, the enemy is working hard. So we want to know for a fact that God loves us and that he has a plan and purpose for lives. 
John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's Jesus speak. So if we know who we are, okay, don't let the devil snatch And Jesus has us, never let go. So our first part of what is our identity in Christ are valuable. We have a purpose. Number two can be cliche things that you may have heard in church, but it is so true that you've, okay, are so incredibly as some of you know, I became a dad last year. My wife and I had our beautiful daughter, Anna Lee, and she's 19 months old, and it is the greatest thing that's ever happened. I mean, it's really mind-blowing if you personally know what that's like to have a daughter. Like, to become a dad is just the most amazing thing, and it truly sets on God's love for us. I've heard that. People said that's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like, to, like, the love I feel for Anna Lee, my daughter, is mind-blowing, and it puts in complete perspective how much God loves us as his children. So there's nothing, truly nothing, that honestly to make me love her any less, okay? And and she's screw up when she's older, nothing, okay? nothing is going to phase that for me. I might love unconditional, it is, it is amazing. But even if she has messes, like she does now, she's young, she has like real messes, right? You know what I'm saying, right? Like a couple times I've opened the diaper and like the, my hair, like my hair doesn't, whatever, okay? For that analogy, I'm going somewhere with that. Can you imagine when she's 18 years old? I hope she does it like she does. Daddy. All right, she won't, but it'd be kind of cool. Um, Daddy, do you love me? Like, do, do you love me? And, of course, the answer is going to be yes. But can you imagine? Tatter, and I'm like, well, yes, I do, but. And then I go over to the freezer, and I have five biggest messes when she was 18 months old, right? And be like, look what you did. Like, look at this, look at this mess you made, right? That's funny, isn't it? But how many of us seriously get caught thinking that God thinks? or is going to do or is doing to us. I love you, but it, this is what you've done, right? Yeah, not like that. But like, man. <laughs> but seriously, we can beat up thinking that God's going to, like, is leaving what we've done wrong in front of our face and, and compelling us. God loves us. His love is unconditional. Um, so some of us think that that's what God is going to do. So what does God's word say about his love? Let's turn to Romans 8. 35 through 39, and on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. It says this, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, stress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We, have regarded, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than through him who loved. This is the part I want to get to. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate from the love of God in Christ Jesus. How incredibly encouraging is that? That no matter what we've done, okay, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. No matter what, God loves us. He loves us. God, you are loved. Our identity, you are loved. God loves church family, loves you, but God his love is absolutely perfect. And nothing, nothing that we can do comes from his love. That is amazing. And to be cherished, valued, and have a heart, and to saturate our life and who we are, identity in Christ. And again, we always say, God, but his answer is, I love you. Think about that. His answer. The devil comes to destroy and whop you up the head with what you've done wrong. God, his arms open wide. Know what we've done. We can come to God. Yes, we need to come to God and repent of sin, but God loves you, and nothing you've done or nothing you will separate his love for you. 
that important? There's that why question again. Because his love is perfect. His love is absolutely perfect. His love is not, I love my wife back. I absolutely love her, but I hurt her, right? And the shocking is it might be always a great husband, okay? I'm not, <laughs> got a couple laughs, but I'm not. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not a, always a great husband, and I hurt her, but I love her. But I, God's love is perfect, okay? God's love is perfect. It shows us, and that's amazing, and nothing that we can do can separate us from love. So how do we know this? Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love and that while we were still sinners, so far from God, while we were sinners, God loves us. So point number two, how do we find our identity? What's our identity? We're loved. You have purpose and you have value and that you are loved. And my third and final point is that we are totally given. We have, and some of you here this morning, you are forgiven. If you had to forgive you of your sin, and confess and repent, which means 180, turn around, go the other way, other direction. We are totally forgiven. That is amazing. Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. First John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just willing to forgive us all of our sins and purify us all unrighteous. We are forgiven. We can walk in forgiveness. Right? We can regret, shame, doubt. We can walk in forgiveness. Sin is nothing to be messed with. Not, you know, nothing is an excuse for sin, but man, sin is nothing to be messed with. And I am forever grateful that God can forgive my sin as that verse. I've experienced that. You've experienced that. If you've never experienced that, God can forgive you. And what a weight off of your shoulders. Our God is an awesome. He is an incredible God, and he is full of forgiveness. So why is forgiveness important? And what does sin bring us? Romans 6.23 says, For the wage of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If we receive salvation, we are forgiven. If you've asked for forgiveness, you are forgiveness. And again, why is forgiveness so amazing? Romans 8 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condition for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I mean, can you imagine being on death row, okay? Being on death row, sentenced to death. And hearing the word before they were to, like, to, to take you not guilty, but free. Like, what an incredible weight that would be. Can you imagine seeing a human experience? Imagine putting yourself in a position to get that. Okay? Without Jesus, we're without forgiveness. All right? We're, there's no not guilty go free without God. When it comes to our eternity, when we die, there is no let him go free. He's forgiven without Jesus, without accepting Jesus has done, without accepting his forgiveness. And it's not just praying a prayer. I mean, it's a, it's a, a journey, venture with God. It is a, an everyday seeking thing. Man, when you, when you truly encounter God and you ask for you are forgiven. So our identity, who we identify with, ultimately determines our identity. Amen? Who we identify, your identity, what you take on identity, you can take on these three things, and there's many more of who we are in Christ. There's 144 verse on who we are in Christ. This is just three, but who we identify with will ultimately determine our identity, where we spend it. So what's our recap? So number one, of course, you have purpose, you have value. Number two, our love. And number three, you are forgiven. Back if you can come play keyword, please. So some of us this morning, I believe, need a unity, okay? Maybe you're like me at the beginning when I share, like, great things and you're serving God, but, like, you're not finding your true, like, sad identity in place. We want to pray for that this morning.
Maybe you need freedom from the things that have been spoken over your life. Maybe you've been spoken hurtful. I mean, I know we probably all have hurtful things that have held you back, maybe mentally, physically, or just flat out held you back from what's been spoken over your life. God wants to release that with that you are loved, that you are that you have purpose, that you are forgiven, that you have great things in store because not because of us, but because of God, because He's amazing. He's purpose for us to live amazing lives for Jesus. This sure we're on literally. I mean, our name is Adventure Church, and you're gonna hear that a million times. Truly was named because it's going to be an adventure. And life is an adventure, okay? And it's supposed to be an amazing one. And living a purpose life, knowing who we are, determine what that adventure is like in our lives. And this morning, I believe God wants to do stuff. Some of us maybe need to confess sin. Maybe you've never confessed sin. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never even knew that was an even opportunity to be able to ask God, please forgive me for things that I've done when I regarded you as my Savior. I've walked away. I've done this. I've done this. And asking God, Lord, please help me have a fresh start knowing you, serving you, love, receiving your identity. And God is willing. That verse says, and he is able that this morning. So the question is today, how do we get this new identity? And I believe that the word is surrender, okay? Surrender. I'm going to tell you, it's not my own story, but it's a story I heard. It's super powerful. It's a story, okay? I mean, it lives in a beautiful house. It's a two-story, ten-bedroom house, okay? There's five rooms upstairs. There's five rooms downstairs. It was a very beautiful house, and he was extremely proud of it. He loved his house. He, was, he cherished his house. And one day, there was a gentle knock at the front door. Mandor, who is it? Jesus. It's Jesus standing there. Yes, Lord, come in, please. Would you come in, please? I have, please me. I have an incredible, beautiful room for you upstairs. It's the biggest house. It's this room in the house. Please come and stay with me. Jesus, being a gentleman, he said, "Thank you." And he and he came in and, and found his way to the the man showed him the way to his room, and, and that's awesome. Next morning, though, there was a terrible, incredible, forceful knock front door. The man goes and he opens the door. The devil, okay? Kicked the door in all day, beat him up mentally, physically. You just tormented him all the entire day. Somehow, by the end of the day, the man got the devil out of the house and he remembered, wait a second, Jesus is up. How did he, why did he not come help me? He said, my son, of the 10 rooms in the house, you occupy him. And the man realized what Jesus was saying. He's like, all right, look, I get it. See 50, you can have the whole entire upstairs, entire downstairs. Okay, the next morning, you know where this is going. Terrible knock at the door. The man's like, oh, it's probably the devil again. Or is it a neighbor? And so he goes and he just peeks. Enough, it's the devil. He gets in, just jacks with him all, torments him, tempts him, beats him up. Okay, somehow exhausted. He almost gave up. Somehow he got the devil out again that night. He remembered, Jesus is upstairs. How did he not come and help me? Okay, and Jesus said, wait a minute, my son, why don't you give me all 10 rooms? Okay, you, and me staying with you, you stay with me. So he knelt down, took out the key of his pocket, and he said, I surrender my key to you. The whole entire house, now I stay with you. Next morning, there was an incredibly terrible knock at the door again. Okay, the man jumped, and he knew who it was. He knew what could happen. Okay, and all of a sudden, he heard footsteps going to the front door. And heard, oh, that's right. I surrendered the keys of the house. Jesus now has to answer the front door. It's Jesus, right? Our King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? Mark door and swings it wide open. Almost hits him. Okay. The young man watching, he jumped behind Jesus' shoulder to see what's about to happen. Who was outside? The devil, of course. 
And when the devil saw Jesus standing at the front door, the devil bowed down and said, excuse me, please, I knocked on the wrong door. How of an analogy is that, okay? How do we get new identity? Surrender. Surrender everything. The story is funny, but extremely true of our own lives too, right? We think we're giving God so much by giving him a, a play life, maybe a tenth, 50%, maybe 75%. But Jesus wants to surrender. He wants us to surrender all of our lives, to give Jesus the key lives because we are valuable and we are loved and we are forgiven. What I want us to do this morning, we have many, many, and I want us to just focus on God for a few minutes and allow God to speak to us. So if you're in the prayer team, I don't know if there's a rotation, but if you can just come up, if you want to pray for people, whether our board or if you've been on a prayer team for it, what I want us to do is make a lineup and worship's going to come up too, please. And what I want us to do is respond. The first thing I want us to respond for is number one, you've never received Jesus. If you've never given him top in your life, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and experienced his peace, I'm going to ask you old, and I'm going to ask you to come up and get prayed for by our prayer team. And come on, if, you, if you've prayed around the prayer team, come on up before. We'll just fill it with people, please. If you've never experienced that, I ask you to, I ask you to come up and ask one of these amazing prayer warriors to you. They will lead prayer that will get you started of surrendering your life to Jesus. Second thing I want us to come up for, and this can happen simultaneously in a moment, is if you need prayer for ID. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you've been told what you are, you minted. If you experience a true identity changes, I want you to come get prayer also. And third, if you if you're totally lost and just need some direction and insight, I encourage you to come pray. As the worship team is going to start uh, singing in just a moment, I want you to re- take this two months. Let's respond to what God's tugging at our heart. So on the count of, why don't you come up? One, two. Three. If you want prayer this morning up church, we would love to pray for you. If not, let's uh, worship.